Hello listeners, welcome back to the Explore podcast. My name's Hannah and I'm a member of the student communications team here at the University of Exeter. Today I'm joined by Lily Margaroli. She is going to talk to us about her time in Nightline as well as her upcoming presidency in the Student Guild. Hi Lily, how are you doing today? Hi Hannah, I'm really well, thank you. How are you? Good, good. Not too bad, thank you. So Lily, can you explain to me a bit more about what Nightline does? Of course. So I think the easiest way to kind of explain what Nightline does is is we're quite similar to um, the Samaritans. Most people kind of understand or know about Samaritans, but we are run entirely by student volunteers and just for students. So we're run fully by ex-university students and the service is available to Exeter University students. I mean, I guess it's kind of easier to explain like in normal times what we do. Obviously, we've had to change a fair amount due to COVID, but like the, the core principles of our service have remained the same. So in normal times, we operate a phone line from 8pm until 8am every night of term. Now that's run by anonymous um, listening volunteers so no one knows who they are and obviously by virtue of the fact that I'm doing this and talking about it I'm not one of those listening volunteers so our our committee is public facing and they're, they're no longer on the phones so it's run completely by like anonymous listeners and it's fully confidential and effectively what the listening volunteers will do is just listen and have a conversation with callers. Uh, Now that can be anything from sort of anxiety, stress surrounding university life or home life or anything, or it can just be people a bit lonely, want to chat. And before COVID, often people coming home from a night out, wanting someone on the end of the phone to talk to. Since COVID, we have had to change because access to our office has been limited and due to volunteers not always being based in Exeter and all of that kind of stuff and those sorts of complications we have had to change how our service operates so at the moment we're not running a phone line but what we are doing is running an instant messaging service from 8 p.m until 1 a.m every night of term that way it's just really much safer for our volunteers and also means our volunteers don't necessarily need to be based in Exeter so yeah that's what we're doing due to COVID hopefully with restrictions easing and stuff, we will be able to get back to our um, our normal operations. But yeah, we just have to play that by ear, I guess. Thank you. I was going to um, ask you how much of an impact the pandemic has had. And you've talked about the logistics, but it had changed the experience of Nightline as someone very much involved in the heart of it. I think it's brought to light just how important sort of student to student support is because what's really important is that we're a non-advisory service so our listening volunteers won't give advice to students who are calling about certain concerns they will just ask those open questions show empathy and and have a conversation and to be honest during the pandemic and and, you know that's continuing now there isn't really a lot of advice that can be given because none of us really know what exactly is happening what's right and what's wrong Mm. so I think it's just highlighted how important that is and how important those sorts of conversations and connections with fellow students are and how much it can improve someone's sort of 
challenge, struggle, or just day-to-day life just by having a simple conversation with someone who's just going to sit and listen and not judge and not advise and just sort of ask questions and have that open conversation with them about whatever it is that they want to talk about. Mm. But to get to that step, obviously it can feel quite daunting or, or scary to reach out and to seek support. Would you have any advice for people on how they might approach that? Yeah, I think that you're you're 100% right. That first step is often the biggest challenge, you know, whatever the service is, not, not necessarily Nightline. But in terms of Nightline, what I would say is that if you do open up the instant messaging service or when we're back to phones or you phone up and it's not not for you, you can ultimately just click off the chat or put the phone down and that's absolutely fine and and you know that happens and that's fine you've tried it it's not for you you're a bit nervous that's absolutely okay that doesn't mean anything it doesn't mean you failed it doesn't mean something's gone wrong it just means you tried something and it actually wasn't for you and that's that's absolutely fine but again I completely understand that that's probably not going to be enough to convince some people to to pick up the phone or you know send the message or whatever it is that they, they might might be doing to seek help but I do think that that even the act of looking for help and seeking help even if you don't necessarily find the support that you need from whatever its service is that you're you're reaching out to just the act of doing that can make you feel better because it makes you feel like you have taken a step in the right direction towards feeling better so I think just try your best in whatever small way it might be to reach out for help to do that because I do think that it it will make you feel better. I completely agree yeah that's really good advice thank you Lily for sharing that. I'm curious what brought you to Nightline in the first place if you don't mind talking about that with us. Yeah of course so I think it's quite a difficult question I guess because I mean (laughs) sorry (laughs) No, no, it's fine because I mean, ultimately the answer is simple. Nightline volunteers want to help people. I mean, I'm sure you and anyone listening could have guessed that. (laughs) I think for me, I had a very, and I still do, I'm very aware that the situation that I'm in with my friends, my family, the people around me is, is extremely lucky and I'm extremely privileged to have people around me who I can turn to and I can talk to about anything. And there's there's a listening ear there. And I and I was just so aware of how lucky I was to have that and also to have been around other people throughout school and growing up and, and life just in general who didn't have that and, and how much of an impact that that had on them when they did just need to voice some concerns with someone. It it just struck me that that because of how lucky I was, I should do something and I had the capacity to um, do something and I guess that's why I wanted to just to be part of a support system and network for people who didn't necessarily have that in other areas of their life Mm. and I think it goes back to your answer earlier about accessing it when you need it and you're feeling a bit daunted by it just having that first conversation and getting the thoughts out of your head and into the air I think is just so so important and you know it's such a valuable service that Nightline provides and that you're involved in. Yeah exactly it's not about being I mean none of the volunteers are professional counsellors or you know have professional training but oh no they have training but it's not like a professional qualification sorry but in the same way that you'd speak to family and friends I mean they 
don't have, presumably most family and friends don't have those qualifications either but it it doesn't take away from the fact that just voicing your your concerns and sharing things with someone else can be so so useful for just sorting out your mind and, and what you're thinking about and what you're going through yeah it's like letting the pressure off a bottle of coke or something <laughs> exactly <laughs> you mentioned the training that's involved um and i wondered if you could tell us a bit about that perhaps if anyone's listening and is considering becoming involved in nightline what the process is and, and what they'd learn to equip themselves to do the job yeah of course so um there are actually two broad ways of getting involved with nightline i mean anyone can get involved with nightline in the sense of sharing our posts and what we make like our, the content that we make online so if you're just looking for a quick way to kind of share the message um, spread the word then that's one way to get involved but in terms of more volunteering we have publicity volunteers who are involved in in making those posts and, and content and we have listening volunteers both receive training for their like respective roles uh, the listening volunteer training is slightly more not intense but I guess it's just a bit longer and we cover a bit more so to be a listening volunteer you apply and, and go through that application process generally we are oversubscribed in terms of how many people want to volunteer compared to the places that we have for volunteers and then once you get through that process there's depending on the situation with COVID and, and sort of room booking availability those boring logistical sides of things uh, there's one to two days of training which you're going through um, powerpoints policies kind of all the different eventualities that might happen when you're a volunteer internal rules and policies that we have and that the nightline association has to do with all those different call types there's a lot of opportunity to practice call taking answering asking open questions speaking to people who maybe aren't making a lot of sense um so yeah all the different eventualities are covered in that training and then there's also kind of the next steps of that are actually doing practice calls with members of committee who are there to kind of guide you and support you and give you pointers on how to improve and then after those practice calls then you are able to um, be like a full volunteer so that's the initial training process but then throughout the year we have training from external groups coming in and those are to do with more like specialized areas which we don't cover in as much depth in the uh, initial training so that can be things like bereavement um, lgbtq plus uh, issues uh, we've had conversations with the chaplaincy surrounding faith and how that can affect people um, and, and how to be as empathetic as possible and understanding as possible of the, the different things which may come up with someone um, who has a specific type of faith or is, is struggling with their faith. So, yeah, I think the, the training that we give is, is pretty broad. And also, if at any point a volunteer feels like they need a bit of extra help with with a certain area then that's absolutely fine and they can get one-on-one -on -one sessions with our um our training officers um to get that support that sounds really great very comprehensive is there an area which you've learned things about that surprised you or you didn't expect to to learn when you joined nightline i think you're always really always learning and also you learn a lot from other volunteers as well because there is a diverse range of people in all sorts of ways who um here 
So there's a lot of learning there. I think I think I learned probably the most with um, having conversations with the chaplaincy, just in terms of that being an area which I didn't necessarily know a lot about, both in terms of different faith and the sort of the ways that we can approach different faith groups to make sure that we're being as inclusive as possible as, as an organisation, but also just in terms of what the chaplaincy do uh, within the university, like what our chaplains do. It was really interesting to learn about that and get to know the chaplains. And they actually have quite a big role within supporting committee members of Nightline. And they're always, always ready to have a chat with us about anything that might be concerning us about about anything, whether that's Nightline related, uni related life. So that's been a real, a real privilege, actually, to get to, to know the chaplaincy more. Yeah, the chaplaincy are great. I've had a few interactions with them. They've helped us with Mind Over Nether, the um, wellbeing talk series that we also run. So yeah, I agree with that. So obviously Nightline isn't just exclusive to the University Exeter. It's run across different universities across the country. Is there much interaction between the different departments, as it were? Yeah, so Nightline is run at most universities in the UK. I don't want to say all, but I know it is is most. Um, and I think there's actually, I was having a conversation with Nanako, who is the other co-president of Nightline, who continues to be absolutely incredible. And she was mentioning that I think there's actually a Nightline in Germany. I'm not really sure how that fits in with the association, but they are uh, accredited to the Nightline Association. So that's that's quite cool. But yeah, we do have a sister nightline and we have like a regional group and we chat with the other committees of the nightline, say at Bristol or Bath or Cardiff. And, you know, if especially during the beginning of the pandemic and as sort of restrictions and stuff have changed, it's been great to chat to them about what they're doing and, you know, will offer maybe a bit of advice about what we've done and what we found to be successful. And they'll tell us what they've done and what what tips they have for the various challenges that we might be facing. So, yeah, there is quite a big community and everyone really wants to help each other. And we all learn from what different nightlines are doing and kind and try to take bits of inspiration and bring that into our nightline and and yeah sort of grow from that great that sounds very cool i love that interconnectedness across the universities you recently won a couple of awards i believe the exeter university nightline how did that come about Yes, yeah, so we won the best publicity campaign event for the Mental Health Ally Scheme, um, which we ran in February, which was a week or five days worth of events on supporting yourself and supporting others and sort of learning about well-being tips for coping and also how to be more empathetic. Um, and then we won for best volunteer welfare because this year and actually kind of coming from the last question as well, we worked with some other nightlines at other universities to learn about how they ran their volunteer welfare to sort of improve ours. And we have set up a as quite a comprehensive scheme of checking in very regularly with with our volunteers to make sure that they're doing okay to give them any additional support that they need just to open the door to have conversations about anything and everything and we've also been supported a lot uh, by the chaplaincy um, for that as well to offer any volunteers that sort of 
additional avenue for having those conversations if they want to speak to someone outside of the organization of Nightline. So normally the awards would have been at the like conference, which is an in-person thing normally, but that wasn't in person obviously so that was all run online over zoom um, um, and that's when they they read out the winners so yeah we were really really chuffed you know it's really nice to be recognized ultimately we don't do it for recognition but we're human at the end of the day and a bit of recognition and winning a prize you can't beat it really um, great for everyone involved to get that recognition as you say were there any other things you learned from the other publicity campaign events that were held by other universities so, gosh, I'm trying to think because the last few years of all the nightlined things it kind of blur into one. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah some universities have done really great collaborations with the various other societies at their university so it's always really nice to see sort of nightlines collaborating with like yoga or meditation societies but also other societies that you might not expect or or wouldn't you know naturally put them together so lots of the big sports societies will collaborate with the various nightlines at other universities and at Exeter as well and that's really great to see and it's, it's also great especially to see collaborations between you know predominantly male sports or sports which or the, the sides of the sports clubs which are um, the male side because that there is you know a little bit more stigma surrounding mental health and and men particularly in the sort of sporting world so that's always great to see and um ben hart the the current au president has done a really fantastic job this year of of working with november and he's also worked with us a lot to try and and sort of work towards improving that stigma and just opening up those conversations for for boys and men yeah so having worked with Ben on that, have you had any thoughts or feelings as to why that is there's more of a stigma around mental health with men? I think there is this sort of and it and it's not just men, it is it's sort of widespread, but I think it typically within groups of men, it's just this mentality of kind of oh, you know, head down, weather the storm and we'll we'll get through it, which you know, it's admirable to kind of have that mentality, but often actually just taking a step back and opening up and having a conversation saying, I'm not, I'm not doing too great, I'm struggling such and such is worrying me or I haven't been able to get rid of this sort of anxious feeling actually having that conversation not necessarily going any further than just talking about it can mean that you don't need to weather the storm the storm sort of goes away or or at least lightens a bit the reasons for this stigma probably trace back years and years and years and years and years back to sort of prehistoric times even so I'm not sure I'm probably best suited to to answer that question but I think I think things are improving and I think things are definitely getting better um, and I think definitely within the university setting at least you know all these schemes that are popping up and people like Ben getting so involved and the different uh, sports clubs getting so, so involved in working towards improving these conversations or just increasing the amount of conversations that are being had is a real positive so Although I'm not sure where it stems from, I'm sure that it's getting better. 
So I was pleased for you to hear that you've been elected as Guild President at the University of Exeter starting some point early July. I think we haven't had our um, exact dates through yet, but it's it's early July. Yeah, that's Great. when the handover is. And then I'll be vigorously learning from Sunday and shadowing her and the other officers to try and pick up all those tips and tricks which they've amassed over the years. Exciting times ahead. Yeah. So what? I was wondering is what you're going to take with you from your time in Nightline to your presidency and how you think it's going to influence your role there? So I think the main thing that I will take from my my time at Nightline and not just to the role that I will be taking on next year but, but with me for the rest of my life will be having good listening skills. I don't think I really realised that being a good listener is about a lot more than just sort of not saying anything. There are lots of other things which you can do to help facilitate a fruitful conversation with someone, whether that means that you're you're helping them get something off their chest or hearing ideas about projects or whatever it might be. And I think the, the skills that I've learned in, in that area will be really useful because I think ultimately I do not know the experiences of all the students and I can't speak you know for every student but I I do need to listen to students who have concerns and I need to be able to listen really well and help them tell me what their concerns are and, and learn from them so I think that that's something that I'm gonna take forward and hopefully will sort of stand me in good stead at least in that specific part of the role which is sort of listening and then sort of advocating for student needs. I think in terms of influencing my my time in the role I guess that sort of ability to listen and also the different people that I've worked with throughout my time at Nightline the different student groups I think it's just given me quite a good idea of the breadth of incredible people that we have here at the university and how that can lead to really amazing collaborations and projects and exciting things happening just because there is such a range of ideas and experiences within the student body. So yeah, I'm hoping that my sort of ability to listen and also knowledge of different different groups within the university will sort of play, play together to, to help me do that. I think you touched on a really important point there around the listening and it's something that, that we could all improve on and use in our daily lives so would you have any tips from your time in Nightline which you could share? Okay so I think two two big ones for being a good listener and having good productive conversations and not productive in the sort of different if you're trying to produce something way but just like it's a good conversation so I think the first one is to mirror someone's language or pick up on specific terms and words that someone has used and use them in your next sort of like question or in your answer to their question. It shows that you're really listening and paying attention to to what they're saying. And it also helps make them feel a bit more comfortable because you're using like language that they understand and are familiar and comfortable with. And also sort of within that tip, then 
if you don't understand a word, a term, a phrase, or how it's being used in a specific context, ask, because again, that shows you're really listening and you're in the conversation to fully engage with the conversation. And obviously you cannot engage with a conversation if you're not really understanding what the other person is saying. Um, so that's one tip. And then the other tip is, although it can be awkward, it's like leaving silences when someone's talking the silence to you is always going to feel way sort of louder than it actually is and way longer than it is but if someone's saying something and this is especially if someone's kind of upset or anxious after you think that they've sort of finished answering your question if the question is why do you feel this way for example and they've said said something and then they've kind of stopped talking just sort of count count to five count to ten in your head because chances are they will start talking again um because they have got more to say but they don't know if they're like able to say it whereas if you start another line of questioning or you kind of change the trajectory of the conversation whatever it was that they might have said they probably aren't going to say again and it's it's really hard to do and it does feel awkward for you but the other person probably doesn't feel awkward and the other person probably won't ever think oh gosh that was a long silence it's something which you can get better with with practice and it will feel less awkward with practice but for me it's amazing like how much better a conversation can be especially with someone who's struggling if you do leave those silences because it does just allow them that extra bit of space to kind of get out whatever it is that's on their chest i think that counting to 10 tip is really good advice because those silences can feel really really long but i do think you're right and it's important to leave them and allow them so thank you for sharing that is there anything else you'd like to say to listeners what I would say is well try not to be too hard on yourself I have extended almost every deadline that I have had this year by three weeks which is the maximum amount if anyone's wondering and you know not that I'm sort of should be any anyone's like aim to sort of be oh if Lily's done that then that's fine but just just to say that you know lots of people are extending everything that they can to just get that extra bit of time and that's absolutely fine don't feel like you failed if you had to have had to do that uh, equally with the dissertation you know there is the option to push that to August if you need to don't feel like that's a failure if that's what you have to do we've been through a lot this year and I think just getting to this point is absolutely incredible whether you've had to pause your studies you know even dropping out or you've just managed to sort of get by as best you can whatever you've done to get to this point um, is amazing and then the other thing that I keep telling myself and I have to repeat this to myself every day is that done is better than perfect yes my work might not be perfect but it's not going to be but just getting something on the page and getting it done is going to be a lot better than me agonizing over every word trying to reach perfection which in reality isn't really possible anyway so yeah done is better than perfect keep telling yourself that (laughs) (laughs) thanks Lily that's a great mantra um as I approach another deadline (laughs) um and thank you for being so honest and brave with your own experiences of deadlines I think that will be really helpful 
So we'll leave it there for now, but we'll definitely catch up with you again once you take up office, as it were. Yeah, we look forward to speaking to you in the future. Awesome. Well, it's been great chatting to you today, Hannah, and um, I hope people have enjoyed listening. Great. Thank you, Lily. Bye. If any issues have arisen for you as a result of listening to this podcast, or if you feel like you need some extra support, please get in touch with your GP or wellbeing services. If you're feeling concerned about perfectionism or procrastination, you can find additional resources on the wellbeing web pages.